Hello and welcome to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. And I'm Josh Chappell. Today, we'll be talking about Magic the Gathering in the time of coronavirus. We're here with Raja James, who is a a teammate of ours uh, from Team Sirius. Sometimes I hesitate to call ourselves a team because that seems to indicate some sort of effort. But what we do try and put together as a team is the feeling of camaraderie and getting togetherness of magic, the gathering part of the magic, if you will. And um, yeah, Raja has done a good job of doing that, especially as we face the challenges of quarantine and coronavirus. So uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Raja. Thanks so much for asking me on. I was excited when you asked. No problem. Glad you could be here. Um, So I wanted to talk to you uh, specifically in part because of your organizational skills and enthusiasm for putting on events. And, you know, one of the things that you've done, and I, I, if I recall, you actually started putting this together before, uh, you know, before the dark times. Um, yes, yes, and, I did. And, I did. And this is um, the Team Serious League, which has ended up being a great, um, a great source of comfort and um, interaction <laughs> during the coronavirus. It's been a good diversion. The excitement was a lot really high initially, but I'll say when I published the document, there was kind of less than uh, enthusiastic response. And I think in part because many Team Serious members like to play in paper. They're not really mm-hmm. digital or online type players, which is which is fine. Again, the, the gathering is very important to a lot of members. So I get yeah. that. So there wasn't a lot of response because the, the idea was that we could play face-to-face in the Cleveland area because uh, there's a lot of people around in Cleveland, especially Jerry was coming back. So I thought that would be really fun. And then we could also include or allow for inclusion of people who were in the diaspora, right? So Mm -hmm. the idea was that those people who were remote could participate as, you know, first-class citizens in in magic, right? Right. Without being in person. But there wasn't a huge response. But the, the idea was also split across a bunch of formats. So not just vintage, but, you know, we been playing a lot of middle school as, as you know it originated in team serious so i basically put up a sign-up sheet for vintage middle school old school and also uh, it was kind of a trojan horse idea to be able to maybe have a testing ground for the unrestricted vintage format that we've been talking about so yeah. well, um, why, don't, why don't you why don't you tell us what the basics are like what's what's the basic idea is just you know being able to play online how did you sure yeah so initially yeah so the idea was that we would have a, a sign up and we have rolling starts to the leagues and we have batches so it was kind of modeled after like the, the vintage super league style where okay. you you know you're going to have a batch each week and your opponents are known so you could kind of metagame against those known opponents. So the idea would be that you would play across several batches and you would play every person in the league. So it was a big round robin, but it was kind of metagamed or, or you know, narrowed down each week or each batch to a metagame that you could kind of 
attack, right? Sure. So you have what, like eight or 10 people in a league and you, the first couple of weeks you play three people and then the next couple of weeks you play three more people and then the next couple of weeks you play three more people. Exactly. And you and you can change your deck in between and see who what other people are playing. And Yeah. And so the idea is that we get the lists, everyone puts their list in and then the lists are actually made public. So full information going into each match, you can see your opponents, they're known and their deck lists are known. So okay. No hidden information, but there is a, a spice factor or the, the idea that you're trying to specifically spike against those opponents that you're paired with. Cool. What technology were you using? Because like I said, this was before coronavirus that you set stuff up and right, I don't know that right. people had even put together the webcam stuff yet much. Yeah. So so as, as you may know, uh, I'm pretty involved with old school format uh, magic and there's a pretty big following for webcam magic amongst old school players. I had had a lot of experience with that, having played in some of the big online tournaments that are put on by the New England old school group, uh, David Firthbard and and those guys. And they put on a winter derby and a summer derby. And those kind of rotate formats between the various old school variations. And so I was very inspired by that, but I also had had a lot of experience with it. So I knew that there was different platforms. Uh, one is called Whereby, which is a browser-based webcam chat yeah. software. And so the idea was basically to allow players to use whatever technology. So we have Whereby, we have Discord, we have Zoom, we have Skype, Google Hangout. So I posted a document, uh, kind of a manifesto document, outlining my ideas and saying, any of these is fine. Just play We're your game. Figure, figure it out. out. Yeah, right. figure it out. And, and if you can, ideally, advertise in group chat and let everyone know when you're playing and, and stream it so that yeah. people can have something to spectate and have something to talk about. Yeah, it's been fun seeing those uh, pop up as some, I mean, it's a lot of times it's semi-random when something is like, hey, I'm going to be playing this match for the next you know, 40 minutes or whatever. And you can see it on Twitch or watch it in the Discord or see what happens and hope sometimes you string a few together and sometimes you just get that half hour hit of magic so for the setups can you go into detail on some kind of like the more popular setups so i you know i have a laptop it has a a webcam built into it and that's pretty much all i have so uh you know right like like you said i'm one of the people that likes the gathering part but if you had to educate me on, hey, this is your uh, minimum barrier to entry to set this up, what kind of advice would you give me? Right. So, yeah, for sure. Actually, that's how I started out, Josh, was with a, just a laptop that had a built-in webcam. It does kind of cut down on your ability to interact with the opponent's face um, and get that visual feedback. But basically what you do in that situation is you will just kind of Elevate your laptop onto some uh, box or similar above your playing surface. And then you just angle that lid of the laptop down, pointing at your uh, field of play. Depending, again, how big your laptop is, what you're kind of, how, how high up you can set it. Normally, if you can get it high enough, up enough to eye level, you can just kind of look straight under and see the uh, screen. But ideally, the next step up from that would be some kind of video out. So you could use that laptop camera and maybe a HDMI output. A lot of modern laptops have some kind of uh, video output where you could hook it up to your TV or a monitor, right? So that that was my level zero, level 0.5 setup. Uh, and that lasted for me for a good six months. And I could play you know a few matches every week 
uh, that way. And it was fairly satisfying. Then the next step up from that, I kind of looked around and got some feedback from other webcam players. And someone suggested to me looking at a tripod where mm. you could use a tripod to uh, mount your webcam. And so that seemed pretty cool. So I went around to some garage sales and was able to acquire an old tripod for a dollar or something. And uh, then I found on Amazon a a small, like it's a, uses tension. It's a clamp arm that's uh, adjustable and basically has, I don't know if you've seen these, but it's a, it's a cell phone holder kind of thing. So it's a clamp that slides on the sides, right? So it could double. So if you have a webcam with your laptop, you could uh, use that. Or again, uh, you could use a phone and there's some some apps that you can actually use to, to allow your, your laptop to use your phone's camera because most phones have very high resolution compared to your laptop camera. So it's much more uh, courteous to your opponent that way because then they can see your field of play much more clearly. Yeah, I know uh, Jerry Yang was using his has been using his phone to play uh, using an app called DroidCam, which I think is I think works either Android to PC or there's a version that works uh, iPhone to Mac. His screen is oh, okay. great. <laughs> um, that's been really good. And there's a few other ways to attach your, or, you know, connect your phone's video to your laptop. I think they're a little battery intensive for your phone, but uh, right. they work pretty well. They look really good. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, any mounting system for your webcam probably works just fine if you can point it at your playing board and then still be able to see a screen that shows what your opponent is doing. So if you either use your laptop camera and have a second monitor uh, that lets you see your opponent's goings on, or if you have a, a camera that you can use for your own screen or for your own play areas, the, 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 those are the basics. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but level zero to get started, if you just want to play is like, you right. could definitely just use the laptop, but yep. it gets a little cumbersome after a while. Yeah. And are you, um, I mean, I, I assume for the, uh, TSL, you're allowing proxies of pretty much any kind. I, I'm sure there's a, be kind to your opponent and make sure you have clear proxies or printed proxies or, you know, big words and. Yeah, like definitely. No, exactly. But, but the, you bring up a good point that we're not just using the webcam technology, um, Josh. So, so we have some opponents, uh, some players in the league didn't have access to cards for the first batch. So we use a similar technology to that uh, screen sharing with webcam to webcam uh, with cockatrice to webcam. So mm-hmm. cockatrice is a popular tabletop simulator uh, that you can play a number of games on there. Magic being one of them. So we had some opponents on one side in paper and opponent on another side using the cockatrice digital platform. It worked out pretty good. A lot of players, we did a lot of cockatrice to cockatrice matches, uh, digital only matches online for the first batch as well. And again, it was really just figure out, get with your opponent, advertise it if you can, and let's, let's play some magic. Well, and the league has also allowed, um, Mitko matches too. You can just play on magic online if you're both, if you both have both. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Some cards are just prohibitive to that, but yes, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes a big difference for old school, but I mean, if you're talking about vintage, like, you know, most of the cards are available on, online you can do what you need um what have you seen i mean how many players did you have in the first tsl and how many people what kind of cool decks did you see 
we had eight for a long time. We were stuck. We couldn't fire it. I said, hey, we're going to fire it with eight. So, of course, four more people signed up in the Absolutely. last 24 hours. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had started with 12, which is more than I wanted to run, but great. Everyone paid a small entry fee. Um, so we're going to use that entry. So what I did, um, so just real quick, if I can uh, take an aside before I answer your question about decks, but uh, sure. it's a more logistical stuff. So everyone did pay a small entry. So I'm getting together an autograph card, just a memento for everyone. Again, the spirit was to be in paper. So we're going to have to do that by a um, you know chain letter, get everyone to sign the cards and pass them around. Additionally, I um, the, the winner of the league, that, that entry fee is going to go to an altar on a card of their choosing. And then to kick off the inaugural league, I contacted three altarists who uh, I've worked with before in the past, um, some who do stuff for the old school community. And so we have three altars that are commissioned that are going to be door prizes just for the league. And I like to do door prizes going forward as well for each league. So even if you don't have a good record, if you come hang out, complete all your matches, then you will be eligible for this kind of door prize. And those are really cool. You should probably catch those on social media sometime soon. Uh, some really hot cards being uh in that pool good good altars i'm excited about yeah does that include the uh the charlie sheen um wild thing altar, yes or is that more yes man that one's so cool uh that's in the season I'll, I'll send you that for the show notes maybe or if you grab yeah, that from the, yeah, we'll, from we'll the chat them. yeah you could put it in the show notes or something but that's just was amazing that's shout out to uh, uh bobby lupo that's really awesome uh I'm, I'm so excited to give that away he's the altruist Yes, yes. He is from the, the Knights Taplar um, in uh, Michigan, the hosts of Kumite Old School. So I want to mention then we had a Singleton deck. So back to your question. So Singleton went 4-0 in batch one. Crazy. And this is before, this is pre-Lutri. <laughs> this so this pre- is... Before Lutri was printed. So it was just like... Yes. Was okay. that Jerry? No, that was uh, Phil. Uh, Phil played yeah. Singleton. He he likes a lot of cards, and he just said, "I I." That's kind of his style. He said, yeah. "So yeah, you just play cards that you like." And he went four zero doing that. <laughs> like I said, I I hesitate to call Team Serious a team because you know that <laughs> that seems to indicate that we're putting in some effort to to actually win. But really, we just play the cards we like and have fun playing them. Yeah, for sure. Well, so so I mean, I'll toot my own horn there. So. I went back to my old uh, my old standby from Eternal Weekend this past year. So I played the same uh, lands deck that I played uh, with some slight tweaks for the meta. But uh, ZS, who um, I, I recently got to chat with in person, he was the inspiration for that deck. Um, and so it was for a long time called ZS Bond. And um, I was naming these decks in my notation. And I realized like I, I missed a huge opportunity. And I'm not sure why. But why I haven't been calling the deck James, James Bond. Bond? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I just <laughs> yep. kicking That's myself. Like, yep. like, what is my problem? So, like, so, or some derivative, <laughs> GoldenEye, 007. Well, the thing is, you have, anything, right? Right? You, ha- you have to make some change to the deck that is, is mm-hmm. minor but effective. So you have to pick. I would recommend adding four brainstorms. Yeah, if you, if you add four <laughs> brainstorms, then it's mean deck bond, but you need to figure out something <laughs> that personalizes it to you. So that's, right. that's your well, goal before you can call it James Bond. So the tweak I did make is bringing uh, one creature into the main deck, which I didn't play in, uh, in champs, R- Ramunap Excavator. 
So yeah. for one more uh, crucible effect in the main deck. Sure. Uh, so that was my deck I played. And then we had some, uh, I was excited to see uh, Steve McGrew, Mr. Hot Hands on, on some shops. Well, she's like never plays, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Justin had a nice uh, four color snow deck that I really liked. That was my only loss in batch one playing the, the Ice Fang and uh, oh, yeah. de- four death rights. Any four death right deck, I I, I respect. <laughs> I don't I don't like necessarily, but I respect. And then we had some some crazy combo decks, as always. Jerry Yang on on two card money, and then we had Josh McCurley on a really cool deck called Turn Two. It was a PO deck, but it was a kind of a artifact based PO deck. Inventors Fair Aetherflux Reservoir is one of the kills there. Was that the one that uh, Saturn was playing online for a while? Is it similar to that, or is it different? very similar? Yeah, okay. very similar. So, so it's a deck that I definitely like. I've definitely played <laughs> a bunch yeah. of times. This kind of deck, uh, Mystic Forge, uh, Aetherflux Reservoir, big shooty killy weapon, uh, great. And then so we had and same obviously with regular old PO Jake Hilty, who's a really good brewer. I always like his decks. Emery Lurker of the Lock deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, love it. And then obviously, uh, so I will I'll call out uh, Mr. Eric Caffrey on his uh, PO Oath deck. He successfully oathed into the seventh from the bottom card being Grizzlebrand, his one of Grizzlebrand. And uh, it was the also then the second game, it was the fifth from the bottom card. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like he lost his other Grizzlebrand. He, um, yeah. <laughs> he should have had another one in the deck, I think. Well, that, the, that was yeah. the first week, right? Because you've, you've already played, uh, have you played two weeks then? And the, or the, sorry, two, uh, phases, because I think they are two week phases or something like that, right? Uh, yes. They're but planned as two you're weeks. On, you're on week no. on the second phase. And, um, because the second one had Ikoria in it, right? Correct. So, so the Ikoria spoilers finished two days, I think, before we started the second batch. So, of course, we made them legal. And uh, did said, Phil just add Lutri? Phil did not. Phil actually oh, uh, picked, up, picked up PO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he actually messaged me and said, um, "I think I, I think I'm going to play the same deck, but I don't know if I want to just play with Lutri because." I, and I was cool before cool was cool kind of thing, right? So, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so he, it's, it's not as cool when someone else is telling you to do it as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, everyone's going to be doing it. Yeah. So he, he, he picked up PO. I'm playing PO. Steve is playing PO. Hazard is playing PO. Um, you, how many of you are playing with Loris? Uh, we have, I believe, uh, seven. Oh, Luris. Seven out of 12 um, decks. Yeah, seven out of the 12 decks. And then, that seems low for the expected curve. Well, it was it was like day two of the cards <laughs> being spoiled. So. so yeah, we have we have one Zerda. We have one no uh companion. Um then we Mistake. Have, yeah, to- totally. And then we we have uh, two no companion because we have one dredger. That was just a surprise. So definitely he caught some people in his pod. With that, uh, nice. me being one, one of Good. them, yeah. Good. <laughs> I mean, that's I the wrecked. best time to play dredge, right? Is like when yeah, because it when seems you just like a nightmare to play. play. Yeah, it seems so difficult to play over like a webcam. True, true, and and it was somewhat difficult. But after seeing his list, I did not feel that there was any. Uh, going to be any real battle there. Mm. So I, I was not too worried about it. I just needed to see it happen. It was more academic. So yeah, we, we with Luris, we have Zerda, and that's about it. So everyone kind of playing Luris, and 
honestly, uh, I'll say the, the excitement of batch two was slightly lower. I think once some of the results online started coming out, but also maybe that's a, uh, as a result of the impending TSI VR that maybe guys were kind of brewing for that and, and getting their focus on that. Uh, cause it did take place in the middle of the batch. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, we'll get to get to that in a little bit. And I was actually hoping that the TSI, uh, virtual realm would, uh, help your league because I figured people would for future leagues. Anyway, people would see like, Oh, this is totally possible. I can definitely set up a webcam and play some games if I want. Oh, for sure. I think that, yes, I think that impact will be seen in the future for sure. For sure. So you're uh, wrapping up week two and about to go into week three, is that, or batch two yes. and go into batch three? Is that right? So who's who's winning and with what? Good question. So uh, so like I said, Singleton went went four zero um, last batch, uh, and then we had a three a three one and a three one. Uh, so I went three one with the land deck, and uh, Steve went three one with the Ravager shops deck. Hmm. So those are the top decks going into this batch. I am two and one in this batch. So. I think I'm I'm kind of out ahead, but Phil is sandbagging me, so he'll probably go 4-0 <laughs> again. Um, he is my last opponent, so I'm going to assume he'll go 3-0 and play me last. Uh, uh, makes sense. So I'm also really looking forward to seeing uh, Eric Caffrey's deck for this batch operate, which I, um, he didn't submit a name for it, so I called it Five Lotuses because it plays Black Lotus plus for Lotus Field. Nice. Lotus Field is a card with hexproof uh, that says when it enters the battlefield tapped and you have to sacrifice two lands when when it enters the battlefield. It's a fixed Lotus Veil, right? Like that's, that's Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. So he How's he enabling it? But it has hexproof with frantic search, of course. Um, ah, so, sure. Yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like there are some steps before Lotus Veil and Frantic Search come into play that I'm just struggling with. But okay. That, that's in that diagram, that's the step two with the question marks. <laughs> yeah, right. I, uh, I, okay. That's where I said I'm looking forward to seeing it operate. Yeah. I, I don't know what goes in those question marks yet. Well, good. Well, I... um. I'm I'm looking forward to to more of these. I'm sorry I didn't sign up for the first one, partly because of, you know, I have a newborn at home, and I really just don't think I'm going to have time to dedicate. No, to fair that. enough, fair enough. Well, so so we're wrapping eventually, this batch eventually on I Sunday. Will play. Yeah, we're wrapping the batch on Sunday. The last uh, deck list will be due Wednesday, so we'll hear the BNR, and then we will build decks for two days, and and we'll start the last batch. On Thursday. So, yeah, I, I'll make sure you have all these um, results and stuff if uh, people are interested cool. and uh, final write up of, of the first Team Series League. And so we're yeah. looking yeah, to start a new league as soon as this one's wraps. We're going to start starting the next one. So this one was vintage. Did you start any of the other leagues? Did you do a, vint- or a, a middle school or an old school or a U29 league? We were closest to firing middle school yeah. uh, as the second league, but... Since there was a lot of overlap, there was a request to just wait to fire I the see. next league um, until we wrap this one. So I think it will be middle school, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, good. I, I think, I mean, like I said, the, the big reason that we're talking about these is that it's just a great way to, you know, try and get people together and talking to one another through quarantine and, you know, still being able to play Magic, even though you don't need to necessarily play on um, magic online or arena like you can still play using physical cards and not miss the game or the people 
Yeah. And for, for this, it's been great. Just again, really looking at those names on the list and saying, okay, what is Jake? Jake is my right. old nemesis. I always try to <laughs> try to beat him. So shouts to you, Jake. I, I, I've had a real blast and that's why I wanted to organize in the first place. It's just, you know, if I'm going to play magic, I want to, I want to have fun doing it. Yeah. And I thought this would be a really great outlet to do that with people I like. Yeah, it's good. And it, you know, I'm hoping that listeners will be able to take inspiration from this and put together their own similar leagues if they like. Heck yeah. Yeah. Part of that too is a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, I was talking to uh, Andy, the brass man per Basco about, you know, doing a larger online event. We wanted to do a TSI and, you know, we're, we're going to be, who knows how long we're going to be in quarantine, but we were missing that springtime TSI and we wanted to host something that would sort of fill that void online. And so we started putting together uh, TSI, the virtual realm, using the same basic technology that Raja was talking about, where, you know, you can play. Uh, I mean, our hope was that everyone could play on webcam, but uh, <laughs> I'll talk about it in a little bit. That ended up not necessarily being the case. But we we wanted it to be a time where people could get together online and it would have the same air of a TSI where you're kind of, you know, all hanging out uh, at someone's house, you know, playing magic and drinking and talking and not really worrying about what's going on outside. And so part of that was our goals were to have it be a two day event. And uh, eventually I decided that the first day was just going to be pub quiz which uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but we had then Friday night pub quiz and then Saturday night do uh, an online tournament. Um, and it was sort of funny because we started inviting people and then I'm trying to remember the name of the other group, but the, there was another group that put on an online tournament like the week bef- weekend before we did, which is probably good because it got some people uh, a interested in the concept and b uh, through some of the technological hurdle hurdles of everything but uh, we we were able to run this event online and I think everyone had a pretty good time Raja you played in it um, is that indeed is that accurate you correctly describe it as fun uh, it, it was actually <laughs> it was actually a blast uh, I will say and a big shout out to to Brassman for hosting the stream duties. That was like uh, he took the world on his shoulders with that. He sure. sure did. So I'll, I'll give you the breakdown <laughs> of the event. So we uh, we we organized everything online, and I was trying to get signups, and I decided I would take a registration for this uh, in part so we could send out prizes. And so I was trying to organize all these people and get them to send me deck lists and PayPal me money, and I would be able to put everything together for this event. And because this kind of organization is so easy. Well, and it's a lot harder when uh, we we started out inviting only people from Team Sirius. And so we started with our chat group, basically. And um, because we're not limited on space or location, like we're not inviting random people into, for example, Jeff's house, we could sort of invite uh, anybody. And, uh, you know, Brassman spent his time last year traveling the world and made some friends and invited some people from different countries. We ended up with 24 players uh, in multiple states and six different countries, all playing vintage in various forms. And 
uh, we had webcam on webcam. We had webcam on Cockatrice. We had Cockatrice on Cockatrice for one matchup. And I think it ended up being a pretty good event. The one shocking thing was we had done a whole bunch of testing and we're like, oh, we can just run all of this in Discord because they have video servers and we can just have individual tables. People can go to these tables and run their games. And round one, all of that just failed. Um, yes. Yeah, it was it was disconcerting. I was worried. It was it was going to be real bad, but what, um, what happened? I, I don't know. I I suspect it was Discord. Uh, I think they were, I don't know if they were overloaded or they were just like, uh, we're not actually going to support this. Um, it was a new feature, I thought. Yeah. Was it, I mean, wasn't that the, the whole thing? Right. So they, they set up video chat rooms, basically. And I, I set up several of these and, and labeled them as tables. You could go to table four and play your match. You would open up a video. Your opponent would open up a video. You would play your match online using webcams. And, you know, we had tested this before. We had done... The night before for pub quiz, we had 16 people in one chat room with videos running. In testing, we had multiple rooms with multiple people in them using videos. And the morning of the tournament, we had 12 tables set up for our 24 players and nothing worked. And it was like, oh man, I really don't know what to do. I can't instruct all of these players to do, you know, to, I can't give everyone individual instructions on where to go and what to do to play their matches. But... Uh, everyone was flexible enough that they went into various ways of playing matches. So people immediately switched to Zoom and played their match over that. There were people who used other, you know, video uh, services like Whereby and whatever. There were a couple of players who were already prepared to use Zoom with Cockatrice. Basically, they needed Zoom to use Cockatrice because you can block off part of the window so that you don't show your opponent your hand when you're playing cockatrice so they were already prepared to do zoom anyway um somehow we added i think i added an extra half hour to round one to allow for technical difficulties and then after that we were able to do 60 minute rounds to make sure that everyone had time to get into and out of matches and everything went fine we had a couple games end up get played in zoom or in uh, discord rather but everything went okay (laughs) It's pretty mind-blowing that you can have 24 players and plan A fails and everyone just figures it out. And all of everyone, these people yes. are higher. It, it was amazing to me because I was just like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm not even planning on playing <laughs> in this. You guys are going to have to figure it out. And they did. And it was great. And Brassman, bless him, rolled with the punches the entire time and was able to set up a coherent commentary stream using several different combinations of players, including one match that was held entirely on Cockatrice. Yeah, no, it was really amazing. I thought, yeah. uh, and, and that the agility of all the players to just be flexible and, and even communicating the time of the round at one point, Nat texts me and said, Hey, you're not in here, but your time is up. Yep. We were already in turns, but, uh, but I, cause I had seen the tag in discord, but so that would be the only thing, you know, I think that was a, the, only thing that was a little wonky was communicating the end of round but like even then maybe a few minutes here or there it wasn't even like that bad it ended up being fine and there were enough times where i was able to just you know shout to everyone through discord that the match was ending and there were plenty of people that i just happened to have their phone numbers and i was just like hey your match is ending (laughs) why don't you finish up (laughs) yeah uh, you know the number of players uh in the event that i had phone numbers for was fine and 
you know, one half of the match or sometimes I would text multiple matches at the same time and uh, it worked out. I thought it was a good mix for invitees as well in terms of, you know, ratio to like, I guess, regular TSIs, Mm -hmm. if you will, or IRL TSIs is about the same. Right. And there, you know, I think we would have gotten... Like I said, we had 24. Uh, we we already have more than 60 people in the Discord, I think. We're, we're Actually, we might be higher than that even. My cutoff was going to be 64 players, mostly because I didn't want to do the extra round. I didn't want to go more than seven rounds. Right. <laughs> and yeah, obviously we were okay on that. But like I was kind of worried that a lot of people were just going to be trying to jump into the tournament Saturday morning. But it happened to work out. No, I thought it was great. I, I really, I was really excited when you guys announced it, and I thought it, it was uh, it went off really well. And, and the VODs are up, like still on Brassman Stream. Right, like, you could still go watch it, right? They are still on Brassman Stream. Uh, I recommend you watch them. I'm hoping someone will cut them. I'm hoping Brassman will cut them into <laughs> videos and put them on YouTube. Um, but you know, honestly, I. I only organized the event and basically watched it on Brassman stream and it was great. Like he, he always does a great job doing commentary. He's, you know, insightful and funny and very dedicated to that part of his craft. And I, I always think he does a great job commentating our streams. So did you, I, I know there was a lot of excitement. You said there's a lot of people. So is, is there another one coming up? Then? So I'm talking right now um, with Jake Hilty and Steve McGrew, who are my go-to middle school guys. Yeah. And I think we're going to plan on hosting a middle school event on June 6th, um, which is also a Saturday, Saturday in a few weeks. Um, we're going to host a middle school event uh, it's going to be free entry. Uh, we'll have some small amount of prize. And I think we're going to do just going to do Swiss rounds plus one this time. I think the, the plan is going to be no entry middle school Swiss plus one. And, you know, we'll send a, a play mat or something to the winner. Maybe there's going to be top four or top eight. I'm sort of le- leaving Jake and Steve up to find the prize. Leaving it open. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I think the technology is available. We have this Discord. Uh, people are welcome to use it. They can just go in there and play matches if they want. I think if you're just playing one-on-one matches, you should be able to use the Discord rooms to stream <laughs> rather than trying to go into Zoom or whatever. So uh, that's going to be available. I, I think we're going to try and host uh, semi-regular events there. And like Raja said, the online format is sort of a good way to bring in people who are to sort of uh, support smaller formats. So, you know, Vintage, we have 20 players between Cleveland and Columbus, and on any given weekend, 10 of them can show up. But in the virtual realm, we're bringing in more people from more areas, and, you know, maybe we can get a 60-player event or something like that that would be a, a big Vintage event. Middle school, I have no idea how many players we have in Cleveland and Columbus. I think we can get more people if we bring in other areas, including players who might not have any other middle school opponents necessarily. So uh, it's just sort of opening things up. And it's going to be a good way to test untried formats like the U29 format of yes. Vintage. So um, yes. I, I think I think my plan right now is to do middle school at the beginning of June and then give uh, some notice on a U29 event sometime in July. And then beyond that, we can have more vintage, we can do old school, we can do more middle school, whatever people seem to like. 
Um, Serious events, train rolling. Absolutely. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do this. Um, yeah. But my, my tech setup question is, is uh, selfish because I, the older I get, I find them like tech inept. So I need to like figure out how to set this up because I would actually like to play middle school and I already have decks built. So it's just, I don't need to do yes. anything else. Yep. It's not that hard, except that you live way up in the mountains and you have no access to internet. <laughs> you, you know, I'm actually recording from a van uh, tethered to my cell phone right now. So, I mean, you know, this is my place. Are, are you tethered to your cell phone or are you at the bar? Nope, I'm tethered to my cell phone. I figured I'd gotcha. give this a shot and see how it worked. Great. Well, if you can tether to your cell phone, you should be able to do this for sure. Yeah, you sound, yeah. sound good. So I was I was hoping you were just going to play an entire event in the parking lot of the bar. No, I uh, spectated the uh, TSI Virtual Realm last weekend from the bar, and they do to-go nice. food and beer. So I was able to order food and beer, walk out of my van and get it, bring it into the van, <laughs> drink it and eat it. <laughs> That's great. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think these are great opportunities. I think there's a lot of people making the best of a weird situation as far as coronavirus goes and quarantine goes, where it's like, I really want to get together with my friends and play some magic. And how can I do that without, you know, infecting all of my loved ones when I come home? Yeah. I mean, I definitely miss miss that. And I, I look forward to TSI, the land 2020 something. Yeah, I, right. I, uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, I'm excited for that in the future. But this good good foundation for being able to play when we we can't get together in person, right? Well, it's you know part of it is just I've had a lot of a lot of good experiences playing games online with friends uh, around the country, even not necessarily Magic, but you know playing Jackbox or uh, yeah, talking yeah. nobody explodes, where it's just like I wouldn't necessarily have done this if i hadn't been in this situation where it's just like you know we weren't playing games online regularly before but we are now <laughs> like we have to <laughs> yeah. um, and it's and it's really good to see people and you know just check in talk to someone using actual words rather than text on screen and and have semi-meaningful interactions with people from hundreds or thousands of miles away or just down the street that you just can't go to their house We need to talk about the lame duck format of vintage because I think it's interesting that, you know, we talked about it a little bit with the TSL where. Yeah, um, just a little down on it. Yeah. Right, where Ikoria comes out, uh, you get to play with some new cards for a while, but not not real cards yet. You're playing with the previewed version of the card, which is legal online because in the United States, Ikoria was legal uh, several weeks online before paper cards are actually available paper cards as of the time of recording are not even available yet they will come out on friday i believe and it's just been sort of weird that you know we played this event online uh using the akoria cards uh including lurus which wizards announced today that there's going to be a banned and restricted update that includes vintage and those changes are going to take place on what i think may 18th which is next monday yeah so I think based dun, dun, dun. on right based on what people were seeing online in MTGO results I think there are people who are expecting Lurus because of its nature as a companion might get banned which is pretty interesting because 
it's not even legal in paper yet. We're going to potentially see a card banned before anyone has it in their hand. And we, you know, we, we played this uh, uh, TSI VR. We've played, you've played the couple rounds of Team Serious League under sort of a lame duck format, which I think is interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. My only other thought I wanted to say is the, I love the graphic of the TSI VR. Oh, thank you. Um, I think that we should make it more of a requirement that if you have a TSI, you have to have a flyer for it. I enjoyed putting that together. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like it came together pretty well and I'll probably put one together. I'll, I'll probably do something similar for the middle school event and possibly yeah, future ones as they come on. As you know, yeah, I think I've said before in chat about the romancing, the stones. Posters, you've seen those ones, right? How, how sick those are. No. Um, what are they? Uh, the romancing the stones vintage guys in texas they have insane posters and it's because the one member maybe founder i'm not sure his name escapes me right now but he was a promoter like a club promoter or he oh. ran a club so he had a lot of connections with like movie and music poster guys right oh, so sure. sweet handbills right and so he he has those guys do posters for their events so they're always crazy good yeah romancing the stones vintage guys their advertising is amazing yeah well it was it was fun for me to put together i am not a professional designer which i think fair yeah i mean realistically you can tell that when you look at it (laughs) but but it's awesome awesome. but it was a lot of fun and you know i I was able to put something good together that i felt good about and the top eight for the tsi vr is eligible to receive a uh, playmat that includes the image on it and says top eight it's a commemorative image and um i was very pleased that all but one of them opted to have the playmat rather than just have me send them cash so because <laughs> i i told them like i really don't need to send you the playmat if you don't want it and think you have too many playmats or don't like it and i'll just send you a gift card for whichever retailer you want and you can do whatever you want with the cash but nice <laughs> um, but everyone wanted the playmat which is nice yeah, I thought it was sweet. Yeah. Um but I know um yeah, going going back to the current state of vintage, what do you think of the current state of vintage? <laughs> do we know what's going to happen? Good question. I know I, Jeff Jeff has been particularly interested in this, which is more have uh, I? interest th- yeah. Yeah. I mean for you? <laughs> <laughs> You, you have been more interested in this aspect of vintage than I have seen you interested in vintage in years. <laughs> uh, that's that's not entirely true. There was a moment when we spoiled Mystic Forge that made me really want to play shops. And then I got really disheartened when I looked at the price tag on Grim Monoliths. But that's another story. No, I think that Luris is the kind of fun card that is like super value town and can enable dumb things. Mm-hmm. That I kind of like to do. I don't know. I've had a lot of interesting discussions with other people who don't play a lot of magic on it that don't understand why he's so oppressive. Right. But I totally get it. Well, it was interesting. I don't know if you, you, any of you uh, listened to the So Many Insane Plays podcast with Kevin Crone and Steve Menendian, also hosted on Eternal Central. I do. Um, I, do. I, I remember hearing that they also missed it. They missed it. Um, which is yeah. pretty, I mean, it's, it's remarkable because they don't miss much, right? Like it's not, um, both Steve and Kevin are 
highly accomplished vintage players and very smart about the the game. And they, in their preview uh, episodes, they do a prediction of how many of a new card are going to top eight in vintage events of a particular size. Right. I think it's over 32. And I think to combined, they predicted one Loris. In yeah, which is topic. funny because in, in hindsight, it seems so obvious on like just the fundamental yeah. easy interactions that Luris has. Well, but it's, at the same it's time, not, though. Like, I mean, it's because because it is such a it is sort of a slow burn card where it's like you play the first one. If you don't have the Lotus, like, well, I mean, what are you going to do with it? Like, it's not well, it's not fast. <laughs> I, I guess I think there's also the component that it's hard to really get a feeling for how incredibly distorting the companion mechanic is. Right. I was having this discussion with another guy who was basically like, why don't you just play swords to plowshares or something? And it's like, yes, that means that you're dedicating a card, right? Like you're instantly down. If yeah. you're the one swords in your opponent's right. lurus. The companions make it. So you with the companion are already up a card. And if your opponent right. is trying to answer that, they're already down a card. Yep, exactly. And that's, that's, I think the key thing more right. than anything else is just that this will always be there and like, sure, you can answer it, but you're expending resources to answer it. Whereas the person who is playing it, I mean, in a lot of these cases, they're not really giving up that much to have that advantage. Right. Companions, specifically Luris, have like fundamentally changed the game for Eternal formats. Like not just vintage, legacy and modern as well. I mean, like people are playing like, Seal of Fire and trash like that because they can play it with Loris and Deadweight is a vintage card now. Dead, yeah, right. It's in my batch two deck. Yeah. I don't even know what that card does. Minus two, <laughs> minus two. It's an enchantment. It's a creature enchantment. Oh, <laughs> you know what it does? It kills Loris. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard. It, yes, it has fundamentally changed things. Is that good or bad? Like, I I can't say that I have enough data yeah. to figure that out. I mean, I don't know. Sure, like people can that on the internet and then people are going to make a change whatever is a good or bad change i don't know i can't tell you for sure this is also getting dangerously close to something that we traditionally don't talk a lot about which is banned and restricted speculation i i mean i think we're we're very much in those weeds uh going back to um the so many insane plays prediction they predicted one in the first week that it was legal there were four. That was the first challenge that it was legal in. There were four online. So, right. I mean, they, they just got blown past that first week. They're, I, th- I think their predictions are usually in the first month. Maybe it's longer than that, but they got trashed. <laughs> yeah. The thing that it represents in combo decks or in control decks is, right. is a, you know, the access to an alternative angle of attack. And it's something that I've always... I'm I'm a bad at brewing, but uh, that's what I try to put into m- many of my decks is a couple different ways to win, you know, and maybe a, a another axis of, of winning, right? Uh, if you have a grave-based strategy, a non-grave-based strategy in your combo deck. If you ever talk to Jake Hilty, he will talk to you about orthogonal strategies all day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so, I, yeah, so definitely pick that up from better brewers like Jake, right? right. So. But this is this is a free one, right? Essentially, yeah. And you know, some some Twitter personalities raising the idea that a two-two bear companion would be played by control decks, right? Mm-hmm. So, so just the mechanic is 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 a little bit broken in of itself, right? Well, and there there is the uh, the green white one whose name I can't remember. Kahira, uh, Kira, Kira, Kahira. Uh, 
Um, It has the requirement that all of the creatures in your deck be of specific creature types. I think it's the five main creature types of the Corian. Beast, demon, something, yeah. Right. But the thing is, like, you can play a deck without creatures and use it as your companion. Because you're not playing any creature cards, you don't have to have any cards share a type. Right. Um, So you can play a control deck and uh, play this uh, white-green companion as just a random card that you can cast maybe later on. And you get a 3-2 and it does some stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you're just curving out and you're just like, oh, I don't have a 3-drop. Well, this guy goes down and blocks and beats. Like You get to the point where you're five cards up on your opponent in hand and you're just like, hey, here's a 3-2. Figure it out. And, And that's it, you know? Like... And it could be interesting. Like Lurus could definitely be interesting right. in decks that are mid-range and do fun things. For example, right. Uli's deck, uh, you mm-hmm. know, at the TSIVR playing Waste Knot and uh, Burning Inquiry, right? Yeah. Great, awesome deck, right? And he's planning to like end up finding his Lotus by playing Burning Inquiry a bunch of times. Right. That's interesting, but that's not what the majority is going to do with right. that card. Well, it was it was interesting the first couple of weeks with Loris that there were so many different decks playing it in so many different ways. Like we, there were even in the first uh, first challenge that allowed it, there were you know four or five vastly different archetypes that were playing it, including like shops, like just regular shops was like. I'm going to play this Luris and get back some hanger backwalkers. Um, there you go. And yeah, Uli's deck was was super cool, potentially getting back not only Black Lotus, but like, you know, a discarded waste knot. Yes. Um, there's so many different things that you can do with that. But if you're playing it optimally, I think you end up, uh, all of those over time would eventually become the same archetype if you're playing it yeah. optimally. Like eventually your your shops and your, you know, weird waste knot decks get subsumed and it becomes, you know, paradoxical or Grixis control or whatever. And there's, you know, there ends up being one Luris deck. Right. Uh, but I mean, again, like, as we said, though, you, you just have one in your sideboard, right? right. Yep. Um, so it's, you know, you can restrict it, right? You restrict it. it I mean, you is could that necessarily it? true. I don't know whether I buy that. That you can restrict it? <laughs> no, no. The complete <laughs> distilling down of the format to a singular deck. I mean, I, uh, I mean, that's hard to say because obviously like, you know, Black Lotus hasn't been distilled into one deck, but all of those forces exist in the metagame now. They're just a little bit more spread out, but the the thing is is, the metagame doesn't solve. Yeah. But Luris has more, um, more restrictions put upon it, including the ones it puts upon itself that sort of, I, I think make that inevitable, more inevitable, certainly than this card makes mana, you know? I would I would encourage us to just kind of say, you know, these discussions are lay out the yeah. lay of the land, right? But but yeah. this thing is coming to a head maybe on Monday. Yeah, you, Jeff, you have like very short time to get this edited. <laughs> oh, God. Why are you doing this to me? I'm just kidding. We're, everyone's going to listen to this, you know, next month after yeah we'll be fine (laughs) Um, my concern i guess is just like we've already talked about how companions are so defining for uh eternal formats where it's just like you're already up a card as long as you play a companion if you can build a uh, build a deck that uses a companion you're already starting with a leg up on your opponent so like let's say that luris gets banned and that's the only change does one of the other companions step up then like it, it, uh, do we go through you know Luris vintage and then we go through Zerda vintage or Zerda vintage, vintage yeah, or yeah. or do we go through you know Kahira vintage and 
we just start knocking these off one by one? Like, is that going to be how it is? I don't even know what any of the other ones do. Yeah, what's the, what's, what are the bad ones? Well, there's the one that says, the red and black one is you have to play all odd-numbered casting costs, and it doubles damage, and it costs like five. I mean, like, I think there are probably four that are any good. Zerta is the red and white one that makes activation costs of abilities costs uh, two generic mana less. You and, got those grim monoliths, right, Jeff? Like, there you go. There's another grim monolith. No, I did not. Those things, like, those things are as expensive as I paid for Moxin back yeah. in the day. <laughs> that one uh, combines with uh, grim monolith or basalt monolith to make infinite mana. Uh, after that, you're sort of on your own. You can figure it out. That's the one that Steve and Kevin predicted there would be more copies of. I think the deck building re- restriction on that one is small enough and the ability is powerful enough that starting with eight cards in your hand in a you know combo deck based around that is going to be strong. Lutri we talked about is the red and blue one. It asks you to play all singletons, which in a blue and or red based vintage deck you're already kind of doing anyway. Thanks, restricted list. Yeah, I think the critical part there is just force of will and it seems like we've gotten enough similar force of wills in the last few years like force of negation and things like that that you can play around that right force of negation mind break trap fluster storm all of those are very good you can play just a random assortment of counter spells and foil yeah you can do stuff like commandeer um, bring back commandeer wasn't jerry's sideboard uh one companion and 14 pitch counters (laughs) well so uh jimmy uh, mccarthy at the uh, TSIVR played two companions. He played um, Lutri and Lurus, and his uh, main deck was set up for Lutri, and he could board into Lurus, which I think he did every game. But and that was just for the force of wills, right? Right. Uh, so I mean, like you know, I think there are options here. The blue and black one has already proved kind of problematic in Legacy, where it uses. Lion's Eye Diamond to combo into a bunch of clone effects and either mill your opponent or run your opponent over with six sixes. Yeah, Joe was really into that deck. Yeah, Joe Joe liked that one. Uh, he recommended it to me as very Belcher similar. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's you, it's Belcher similar and you can run four, so it seems great. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, there's, I, I, I'm kind of wondering if we're going to get onto this path. You know, there are other ways to eliminate companions from the metagame. Like you could say, hey, companions not actually an ability in vintage. You could say You could unrestrict Karn. I mean yeah, I mean you could unrestrict a bunch of stuff. Uh, I mean I think Lodestone and Chalice do a pretty good job against, you know, casting a three drop creature or playing oh, snap. or playing Black Lotus. Like um yeah. I mean I, I I'm just I I'm wondering what the actual course of action is on this and i think it's pretty interesting that there are multiple ways to deal with the perceived problem and by the time you hear this you're going to be screaming at your at your headset or microphone or speakers because you're already going to know the answer yep that's absolutely true i'm just i don't know it's it's real interesting it's a brave new world yeah who knows who knows what's going to happen well, because again, like this is these are creatures, right? So you know, there's a lot of iterations. There's a lot of other card types, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'd be interested in a planeswalker with this kind of ability. <laughs> oh God! Oh yeah. no! Oh no! I mean, it seems like a logical next step. 
Well, we'll find out. We'll find out on Monday and you'll find <laughs> out from this podcast in three weeks or whatever. Yeah, I think they'll print the uh, Planeswalker Companion right after they print their next set with Phyrexian mana. <laughs> that sounds good. And then they'll they'll reprint Mana Drain and Standard and everything will come full circle. Are we going to do the pub quiz now or what? Yeah, you want to? Yeah, let's um, do it. Sounds good. So let me preface the, the pub quiz by saying uh, Jeff and I didn't participate in the original pub quiz. So we don't know the questions or answers. And I'll also add that uh, I am not a Twitter user despite having a Twitter account. So if there's Twitter questions, I don't know. That's fine. I think I saw Nat posted some questions on Twitter, but he doesn't provide the answers. And I definitely did not know the answers to the questions that he posted on Twitter. I was thinking because I have you know all of my my stuff here. We, like I said, uh, Brassman and I wanted TSI Virtual Realm to feel like an actual TSI. So day one, we decided the best way to get people sort of mingling and talking together and having fun and potentially drinking was to do a pub quiz. And we ended up with a fluctuating number of players, I think between 12 and 16 over the night. And there were, uh, we divided players into uh, four teams. And I allowed everyone to pick their own teams. We ended up with a uh, European team that I think had uh, three different countries represented. And then we had a couple of team serious teams. And then we had a mixed team that included, well, I, I mean, everyone's a team serious team, but the, <laughs> the, the, the winning team ended up being John Hammock and our second place finisher from the actual vintage event, uh, Caleb Woodward, uh, a.k.a. Glorious Wolfman, both of whom turned out to be from Oklahoma City. Did they know each other before? They did not. <laughs> do your questions have an Oklahoma City bias? They do not. Uh, but they were on a they were on a team uh, with... Fernando Anguiano. Fernando Anguiano, that's right. And he's from Mexico so, City, right? Yeah, Fernando Anguiano, who uh, Brassman met on his travels to Mexico City, and then John Hammock and Caleb Woodward. So they were on the winning team. They did amazingly well, uh, even better than I imagined. I was on the third place team, uh, one point uh, third place away from second place. Yeah, second, third, and fourth place were all very close to one another. And you were on third place, but easily could have been second. If you'd... Yeah, I blame Sam. So we, we started off, there were uh, six rounds of questions. We started with sort of um, sort of general Magic the Gathering trivia. Uh, my favorite example question of that is the first one. Him uh, to Turok has been printed with five different arts, the four from Fallen Empires, plus a reprint in Eternal Masters. How many total wolves appear across all five arts? I admit I cheated and looked this one up. Oh. So I think I know the answer. But I'm not even sure because I might be missing some. So, Josh, you're free to guess, and then I'll give my guess. I honestly have no idea. So, just like flat out guess at seven. <laughs> Jeff? So, I looked at the cards and tried to count, and I only found one wolf. That is correct. There is only one wolf. Okay. <laughs> there, there is the one big spirit wolf in the background of the one art in Fallen Empires. So, it was that sort of thing. Um, 
Let's see. Are there any other I good ones? I assumed that there was like a new printing of that card, and it just had like a million wolves on it. Nope. The go- goblin offensive flavor text. That was a classic one. Yeah, I, I had a a, um, a visual portion that uh, included cards with blanked out words on them or marked over words, and one of them was the flavor text for goblin offensive. They certainly are. That's right. They certainly are. Woo. Uh, my teammates were really stumped by the secret legends spoiler card, uh, which is like a like a magic lore type question that I, I just happened to know. <laughs> which one? The secret spoiler card from Legends that with the spoiler. Oh, the oh, yeah. So this was also in that section. Uh, what dog finally had its day when a long rumored card first referenced in a 1994 Usenet post was finally printed as a test card in the Mystery Boosters released last year? Nope. Jeff, help. Uh, I, I I can't. I don't know. There was a bonus point for what keyword ability does it have? Raja, did you know this one? Yeah, I got it for our team. Yeah. So the keyword is firstest strike. Yep. And uh, the long rumored uh, creature is the throat wolf. That's right. The throat wolf has firstest strike. And then there were some uh, more technical questions like most players know vintage and legacy are DCI recognized eternal formats. What is the third DCI recognized eternal format? Modern. Not an eternal format. Is it Popper? Yeah, Jeff. It's very good. Yes. Oh my God. I can't believe I got that. <laughs> yeah, it is Popper. So we had general magic trivia. Um, I did a section with um, movie posters where I, I took movies that have magic card names and I blanked out the title on the poster. And then, you know, what what magic card is this? How did those go? Because I looked at your examples on Twitter for that, too. And I was just like, man, I would get none of these. Really? You, d- you yeah. didn't recognize the Armageddon movie poster? It says Bruce Willis. I think one team got nine. Oops. Yeah, a couple teams <laughs> got eight of the movie posters. Yeah. And one of them, yeah. one of them, I didn't expect anyone to get. It was a movie with Robert Mitchum from like uh, the seventies, and it's got text on the poster that says, "Introducing Father Van Horn. He's not exactly what the Lord had in mind." That was the one I got to, and then felt totally defeated and stopped looking at any more. <laughs> I I didn't expect anyone to know that because it's not a famous movie, as far as I know. <laughs> it was it's Wrath of God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just have to guess. Like, wait, everyone guessed preacher. I think that everyone that guessed guessed preacher. Yeah, uh, preacher. Preacher was a common answer, which is, I mean, that's kind of the answer I was hoping people would guess. <laughs> but we had some good ones: uh, Anaconda, Black Knight. Um, yes, Anaconda, the, uh, Death Wish, and Sudden Impact. I think those were were pretty good. I did a, a, a section on remembering the ninety threes, which uh, I was trying to put in. Uh, sections of pub quiz that would be sort of general knowledge. So like if people showed up with their uh, significant other or, you know, just had friends hanging out with them doing pub. Right. Quiz, there yeah. was so this was like in 1993, uh, all of these were from 1993 because that's when magic came out. That was the time. Yeah. I cleaned this little category up too. Uh, Did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I was, um, how old were you, I was? You table two? Yeah. Uh, we were table two. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Every everyone got either eight or nine points on this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair. So this was, uh, for example, in 1993, what Steven Spielberg thriller was the first film to use DTS digital surround sound, played from a CD-ROM synchronized to the film? I would guess. I don't know. 
Jurassic Park. It is Jurassic yeah. Park. What underwater TV series debuted featuring Darwin, a dolphin who could converse in English with the help of the ship's computer? Did no one watch this show? <laughs> I watched it, but I, yeah. I, I didn't like it. Really? Man, all I can think of when you say talking dolphin is uh, the terrible movie of Johnny Mnemonic. But um, I'm pretty sure I know what series you're talking about, but I can't <laughs> remember the name of it. Yeah, I don't have a clue. Sequest, DSV. Yes, yes. Uh, Sequest. And and then I had one more tie-in to magic in this section. Um, In 1993, what cool computer-animated animals warmed hearts in Coca-Cola's Always ads? The polar bears? Absolutely. And according to Ice Age, what ability would they have in magic card form? Snow-covered land walk? I think that was a common answer, but no, that's not right. That was everyone. Everyone thought I, a lot of people guessed that. I think, except the winning team. They have banding. No, pale bears have island walk. Oh, obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so we did a. Um, after that, we did a lightning round, and the lightning round basically, I would, I had a, a, a categories of card people could choose, and then they could answer yes or no questions, true or false questions, whatever about those cards or about the topic so for example what was a good one raja Fake well topic. i had a question about mine because it was was it is it legal um i have reservations were the two that i was deciding between and so my team wanted to do is it legal and the category was you naming cards yes. and then i had to say were they legal in the old school ec old school format or not Correct. And my question was actually, did you have multiple formats set up? Like, did you switch that for me or? No. Okay. I, I was just wondering. I didn't no, know. I, I, I just had sort of generic names. Is it legal? Right. Is it legal in some format? And right, right. No well, you can, that's one you can do again for some other format, right. obviously. Right. So, so yeah, I, I think I miss, I miss, I know I miss silhouette. That was oh, the one I missed. I think I got the rest. I think you got the rest. But yeah, we can, we can run through. Well, let's see. The fan favorite, which no one dared to choose, right? One of the categories was 2007 vintage champion Stephen Menendian. No one chose it, but everyone wanted to hear the category. So I'll just go through it. Steve Menendian won the 2007 Vintage Championship with Four Color Grow. Think Gushes and Quarian Dryads. But what else was in it? Step into the Wayback Machine with me. I'll name a card. You tell me whether it was in his main deck or not. Yes or no? Yes, it was in the deck. No, it wasn't. Ready? Sure. And these are supposed to be lightning rounds, so you're just supposed to guess pretty quickly. Uh, Cunning Wish. Yes. 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 Lightning Bolt. No. 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 Opt. Yes. Yes. That's right. There were three of them. <laughs> uh, mana Drain. No. no. Did, you, did you both say no? We both said no. It is yes. There were two of them. Misty Rainforest. No. It was yes. not printed yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, figured it, I figured it wasn't printed yet. Uh, Mox yeah, Pearl, was, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, no. It was the one Mox he omitted. Mm. Four colors, no white. Uh, Psychotog. No. No. Yes, it was. Uh, Mystical Tutor. This is getting worse. No. Yes. No. There was a Mystical Tutor. Misdirection. Yes. 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 Thoughtseize. No. No. 
It wasn't printed until later that year. Uh, so I, I didn't count. I think you got, uh, what, seven? I think we Probably about, about right. I think Jeff got one right that I got wrong and vice versa. That was the idea there. Uh, the next round, I don't think I'm going to be able to replicate on uh, over the podcast format, but it was I uh, took Nam Tran's deck list from last year. And, or sorry, yeah, from last year. Going back to the Steve Menendian category, it's unfortunate that no one picked that because I bet you Jimmy McCarthy would have 10 0'd that. I think he did pretty well. We ran through it at the end of the night because people wanted to see it. And I think they got most of them. I think Thoughtseize was. What was Jimmy's category that he had that was they did horribly in? What was that? Oh, they did uh, Water Long Islands, right? <laughs> yes, yes. That <laughs> was a great he, one. He and JR were on a team and. Uh, at least one other person, Eric Butler, I think was on their team. And I had a question on water long islands from Kilroy's in Indianapolis. And it was basically me listing 10 ingredients and they had to tell me whether they were in a water long Island or not. I said, I think I could do pretty good at that. I can run you through it now if you want. Well, I mean, don't make me eat my words. Let's just go on and assume. I could. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So the next, the next round was, uh, I took Nam, uh, Nam Q deck list and blanked out 10 card names and you had to fill in the card names. So it was basically like I would, I would blank out the name of foundry inspector and you'd have to identify that that was one of the missing cards. So you had quantities and names blanked out. I, I just had um, names blanked out. The quantities okay. were there. And I mean, it was a workshop deck. So most of them were either four or one. Right. Um, that was pretty fun. And then the last one, adding into the food and drink portion of our podcast was drinking with Team Sirius, where I listed ingredients for a drink and you had to name the drink. So the first one was uh, three ounces of Red Bull, drop in one shot of Jägermeister. Yang time. That one counts. Jägerbaum, Yang time, Nam time, all those are fine. Uh, <laughs> the second one was the official drink of the TSI VR. Uh, one bottle of Miller Lite High Life Premium Light Lager, one ounce of Aperol, and half an ounce of lemon juice. Jeff, you got this one? I know people have been talking about spaghetti. What I don't understand is how this came about. So <laughs> it's, it's it's from a, a Bon Appetit or Food and Wine article like yeah. last summer. And I don't know, we kind of like talked about it last year, but it didn't catch on. And then I think someone posted about it again this year, and then it just like caught on like wildfire. Yep. All right. So every, there were a bunch of spaghetti <laughs> consumed. So I, I actually have an unopened bottle of Aperol in the van. I attempted to get Aperol in our food pickup and could not. So uh, number three was four ounces of margarita mix topped with Jägermeister. <laughs> oh, that's uh, uh, what did we decide that was called? Oh, Grassman and I invented it in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the it's, drink. Yeah. This was the one that, that Andy described as not quite as disgusting as you would expect. Well, it's not bad. It's just sweet plus spicy. I don't know. Not on the Lord Rita. What was it? It's a Jägerita. Yeah, it's a Jägerita. Yeah. Number four is a can of Ham's Premium Light Lager plus hot sauce, chili salt, and lime. This drink was getting a lot of hate from Jimmy, and I, I actually really enjoy it. I really enjoy it, too. I'm actually drinking AMs right now, but that is a... They're kind of messy, and that's why I wouldn't... It's, it's always hard to tell what Team Sirius is enjoying ironically versus unironically. 
Enjoy. This drink is actually like a real drink from a bar in Chicago, I guess. Like yep. I got it out once. Like so yeah. it's a real drink. It's a dressed hams. That's right. That's it's right. A- yeah. <laughs> and I think I pulled a lot of the uh rest of these from the uh recipe book that you put in the team serious chat, Josh. So Oh nice. I'll I'll be good at this then. Yeah. So uh one and a half ounces of uh, one and a half ounces of white rum, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice, and a lime garnish. Uh, don't ask me. These this is this is just cheating at this point. Yeah, we, we might mean, as well just have Josh. You're, you're yeah, just picking on me. That's a daiquiri. That, that's a classic cocktail. It's not very. That's right. Uh, two ounces rye whiskey, half an ounce of sweet vermouth, uh, dashes of Angostura bitters, plus an orange peel and cherry garnish. I mean, I, I would say that's an old fashioned. I think technically that's a Manhattan because I think the old fashioned has sugar in it or some some sweetener. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, uh, Manhattan. And equal parts gin, Campari, sweet vermouth with an orange twist. That's a Negroni. Absolutely. Uh, absinthe rinse, sugar cube, Peychaud's bitters, Angostura bitters, rye whiskey, lemon peel garnish. That's a Sazerac. Yeah, this is just easy mode for Josh Chappell. Uh, <laughs> uh, three ounces gin, half an ounce of dry vermouth, and an olive. That's a martini. Uh, two ounces gin, three quarters of an ounce of creme de violette, uh, half an ounce of maraschino liqueur, a quarter ounce of simple syrup, uh, half an ounce of fresh lemon juice. An aviation? That's right. I pulled that from, uh, I think that's uh, Brassman's cocktail of choice when he has yeah, all I the think ingredients. Yeah, creme de violette's the giveaway on the... And then uh, the five point bonus for this category was, I don't know if you know this, but if you go through Jayco's Twitter, he'll have bartending recipes. And I pulled a random one that he had invented and named and had people name it. And lo and behold, John Hammock's team got it because John Hammock happens to be a big fan of Jayco's recipes. Yeah, I don't know the answer to this, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure Jayco and Bob were like making these at yes. the last eight. Bob, Bob was on one of the teams and was upset that he didn't get it because uh, it was invented at his house. <laughs> so this was uh, one ounce of yellow chartreuse, one ounce of dark rum, three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup and fresh mint. I don't know what it's called though. Any guess? No. Do you remember... I guess kill a bees, uh, a kill a bee. But I, I I recall that it was a charnado. Yeah, it was a, it was a sharknado. Charknado, chart. Yeah, yeah. Chartreuse. Charnado yeah. is. <laughs> so yeah, uh, John Hammock managed to get that one, and with that, solidified their victory. Uh, they won sixty-two points to fifty to forty-nine to forty-seven. So uh, hats off to them. I'm going to be sending them some prizes in the mail. Cheers to cheers to you guys. Yeah, yeah no, that, that's so, a good time. Good to hear that you have more questions and you're ready for round two. Yeah, we'll, we'll be able to do another one. The whole idea was just to try and put together something where people could bingle and drink and talk. And I, I think we did a pretty good job of getting people together who didn't necessarily know one another. Like I said, the winning team uh, definitely didn't know each other before they started playing. I think the Europeans... European team uh, knew of one another, but hadn't played together. Uh, it was good, good, good way to get to get people to talk to each other before going into the tournament event on Saturday. For sure, I enjoyed it uh, immensely. So I, I agree with Josh. I'm, I'm ready for round two. Yeah, good. So I'll, I'll you just ran forward. that in one like Discord, like you ran on the porch or whatever. Yeah, it was just just one room. Uh, I read questions. Some people had to mute themselves if their backgrounds got too loud, but for the most part, people <laughs> leave their, leave their uh, mics on and 
comment on things as they happened. And then between rounds, they could go into separate rooms and talk among their team to try and come with, come up with the final answers. How much prep did that take you to come up with the full battery of enough. questions? It was enough. <laughs> I, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, some, some of the sections were easier than others because like for the drinks, it was just like, okay, I'm going to pick 10 drinks. And the, the longest part of that one was going through Jayco's Twitter and trying to find something that had a cool name and some kind of hint about what the name might be. The 1993 questions I pulled from the Trivial Pursuit Millennium Edition. So I was just going through the cards and pulling out questions that seemed like people might know them. And they were mostly pop culture and entertainment sort of things. Yeah, it, it took me a little while to put everything together. But I'll do it again because I love you. June. Yeah, we'll do it in June. Yeah. Um, so we're, yeah, we are looking ahead to a June 6th middle school event using the TSI virtual realm as a platform. And uh, Raja will continue doing the Team Serious League. Uh, if you get in with him, maybe you can get onto the league. You better be careful. We're opening this up to our entire listener base. Now they'll know about it and want in. All six of the them? Ten, the tens, <laughs> the tens yeah, of we, people. Yeah, we might end up with like 30 people next time. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we hope that everyone is staying safe and healthy in this uh, time of coronavirus. And um, still getting to play Magic when you want and how you want and talk to your friends as you like. I think that's pretty much it. Thanks for being on the show, Raja. And thanks for helping organize things and being a participant in the TSI Virtual Realm first inaugural edition. Yeah, thanks so much for asking me on, guys. I had a great time and uh, look forward to being back someday. Great. Thanks. It's happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to Serious Vintage. I'm Jeff Mose. I'm Nat Mose. I'm Josh Chappell. And I'm Roger James. And we hope you'll join us next time for more Serious Vintage. Take a little trip. Take a little trip. Take a little trip and see. The typical uh, how this plays out is Nat is typically driving the car and you'll be in the passenger seat of the car. Jeff will be in the back seat of the car with all of his equipment. I'm in the, I'm in the trunk. Sorry, Jeff, just cut that whole thing.